Welcome to Season 2 of The Plants We Eat, a podcast from the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens that investigates the fascinating history, biology, and culture behind the plants we use for food. This is Jeff Gilman and Cindy Proctor. Together we have over 50 years of research, teaching, and hands-in-the-dirt experience growing plants. And today we're going to deal with a plant that I was excited to, to discover and to bring forward to our little, you know, group, uh, which basically is you and me, and, uh, and talk about it. And it's called spikenard. Now, where did I see spikenard? Well, On a beer can. You did? <laughs> yeah, it really was. I was drinking a beer, and uh, I saw that this beer was made with spikenard, and I said, you know what? It's a pretty good beer. Now, when you said you wanted to do spikenard, I wondered where you had... Uh, where I'd found it? Where I'd found it, and I thought, wow, Jeff has a broad culinary, you know, That's right, I like beer. That, uh, that, <laughs> that I didn't realize. Now I just, because it's beer. Okay. Well, it's not just because... I mean, this, this is a really, really interesting plant that's been around for a long, long time and recently has uh, fallen out of favor. And when I say recently, kind of over the last 100, 150 years, it's kind of fallen out of favor, but you can still find it. You can usually find it as an oil, although originally the plant was used as a food in many different ways. Um, I actually looked through a number of <laughs> medieval recipes. <laughs> what, you know, I just had a free afternoon. Well, wait a second, wait a second. Before you go any further, the spike nard I researched is different uh-huh. from your spike nard. But you know, it sounds like, the, I mean, what you're saying used for tea. Did you say used for tea? It's used for tea. Okay, well, that's um, what used, my spike nard is used for. They're used in very different or very similar ways. And what, it seems, what seems to have occurred, something that's actually very common which is that you have uh, European settlers coming over from the old world, various, various places in the old world. And sure. when they get here, they see a plant that's similar and they name it the same thing. For oh, example, of course. just like New Jersey, New York. <laughs> you yeah, know, these, right. These, You're right. And, and the same thing happens with the plants. And it's very confusing. So on this show, we've, we've made an effort to not use scientific names too much. Uh, they just get confusing when you're just trying to casually listen to a podcast. But let me tell you something. When you're trying to differentiate the different spike nards, it actually gets very difficult. These are very, very different plants with basically the same name, and it, and it makes it tough. And usually you and I don't have to compare those notes on that level, but I think no. we should have this time, huh? Yeah, we, yeah. we should have, but that's yeah. okay. Okay. Um, so there, there's, there are two basic types of spike nard. Um, the first is in the ginseng family. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's the American, we'll call it American spikenard. And the American spikenard is a very, very interesting plant whose roots have been used for root beer. And they're also used by Native Americans for all kinds of medicines. It's also called false sassafras. Okay. False sassafras, because it's supposed to have a similar type of, of fragrance. It was also used in, in many, different, many different medicines. Again, the root is, is the part of the plant that's generally used. It's uh, supposed to be aromatic and, again, popular ingredient root beer. But the, um, but the berries are also, well, so I looked all over the place for information on the berries, and it's really interesting. I found everything from, hey, you can eat these berries and they're delicious, to, my goodness, these things are toxic. How could you even dream of getting anywhere close to them? When I see those kinds of differences, I err on the side of safety. Sure. So I'm not going to recommend anybody go out there and, and eat the, you know, American spikenard berries. But it, it, did, it did leave me very curious. And uh, this is actually one that a lot of these plants, you know, when we finish them, uh, I don't necessarily look up a whole lot more because we're on to the next plant. This is actually one that I, I'm going to be spending a little bit more time with, this spikenard from the U.S. Because I, I have this feeling that if I go back to some of the really old papers, 1700s, 1800s, 
I might find some interesting stuff. So tell me what you found about the about this native again United States native spike nard. But see, your my spike nard is an Aurelia. Yes, okay. that, that's the, it's the um, the spike nard that uh, I specifically found was Aurelia racemosa. Okay, um, that was now I know that you found a couple of other species that were at least similar, but Aurelia racemosa, and that's the scientific name, is the one that uh, I found okay. and, and dealt with mostly. Okay, good because that one is native to the eastern U.S. and it is a relative of Sarsaparilla. Yes, you know, like you said. Yep. And it is a beautiful yes, woodland plant. And I am into woodland plants these days because my little patch of yard is mostly woodland. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we kept a lot of the tree canopy in our, in our little yard. And so I've experimented with lots of things that like I've never been able to before. And mm-hmm. so I can't wait to add this to my inventory, because really you know I need plant. another plant. Well, there's Aurelia. There's, there are a number of different Aurelias. <laughs> Wait a minute, you didn't laugh at my joke. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. No, but really, um, there, I have a lot of plants. But and, there are no, have you ever but, grown an Aurelia in your garden? No. Well, I, I think I have that it was a cultivar, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was the common name was um, spike nard. <laughs> and it did, it did uh, die, and I realize now what happened is that it's a, a zone from three to seven. And, you know, I, 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 when you see zone three to seven, that really tells you it doesn't like heat, Yes, you know, yes. as much as, as some other plants do. So yeah. then uh, you really need to give it irrigation, that dappled shade, like the definition of woodland gardens is a plus uh, or necessary for it to do well. Now, there was a closely related species, have you, and that's the kind of the one, have you heard of, um, and I'll use a scientific name again, Hercule, or Aurelia spinosa, which is also known as Hercules Club? And I might have, that might have been the one I Because that's I the grew, one yes. that in gardens, that one's okay. at least relatively common. And I just didn't pay attention, because uh, spikenard, I have to tell you, is an oddball common name. Where, but, do you, where did it come from? I don't know. You and that's don't? An, I know. That's you usually thing. know these things. This, I'm counting this was on a, Again, this is, this is one that I need to spend. Rarely do I come to one of these things and feel like I haven't been able to do all the research. Okay. The, part of the thing is that there aren't a lot of good current papers on this. And well, I'm going to have to go back into some of the historical stuff that I wasn't able to, to deal with. Well, let me tell you, I think we probably have the same notes, but I'll just go ahead. And, you know, it was a popular herb, you know, mm-hmm. among American Indians, and they gathered it for its pleasantly scented roots. And that doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me being a relative to sarsaparilla. And they used it for a variety of uh, medicinal uh, purposes. I loved reading the differences that the Cherokees used it versus the Shawnees. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cherokees used it to drink tea for backaches, and that the Shawnees used it to treat gas pains, your favorite, <laughs> coughs, asthma, and chest pains. And other tribes gave it to tea to women uh, in labor to make childbirth swifter and less painful, and we're all in for that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> other other uh, tribes used it to uh, made it salves and used it to treat cuts and wounds. And I mean, this could be one of those plants that uh, a survival plant almost, you know, almost. almost. I, I know I'm reaching a little bit, but it was interesting to read how the American Indians and the early settlers used this. Uh, a fascinating plant, yeah. really was. Um, the now this almost certainly seems to be named after. The spikenard from Europe, or actually, I shouldn't say Europe. It, it actually, it looks like spikenard is originally from Nepal and China, and uh, it was best known for extractions of oil. Again, but it was, but all the parts of the plant were eaten. Now, this spikenard, the one from Europe, was actually in the honeysuckle family. So, whereas the spikenard in the United States was from 
the ginseng family. This is from the honeysuckle family. Okay. So very, very, very different group. So here's the thing. This nard is, is truly ancient. And now I'm going to quote a Bible verse, which is something I don't do a lot, but I'm going to quote it anyway because I thought that it was interesting. Matthew 26, um, 6 to 13, where a woman came with an alabaster jar of nard and used the contents to anoint Jesus' feet at a dinner shortly before his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. It was a costly gift worth 300 denarii, or a year's wage. So how about that? You actually have nard um, in the Bible, very clearly in the Bible, and this you know, oil, obviously a precious oil used to, to anoint Well, uh, anointing people. with oils in the Bible is, 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 a, is, is very highly regarded. And uh, when I read that, I was pretty fascinated that spike nard was worth so much. And in fact, it was used uh, before the crucifixion um, of Jesus. It was certainly used to season foods in medieval um, Europe particularly as part of the flavor for uh, Hippocras, which is a sweet and spicy wine drink. It was also, and this is where it gets interesting, it was also one of the ingredients for a particular type of beer called Stingo. Now, I heard that it was you know, used in this beer called Stingo, and I'd had this other beer that was flavored with it, so I wanted to find out about Stingo. And it took some serious research, but I finally found a song <laughs> about Singo. And I'm not going to sing this song oh, for you. It's kind, of, it's kind of to the tune of Greensleeves, but I am going to read you a couple of lines because I found it absolutely hilarious. And if you're curious as to the name of the song, it's called A Cup of Old Stingo. Um, <laughs> it's, it comes from uh, around 1650 or so, or at least that area. It goes kind of like this, and you'll get the feeling for what Stingo was used for after I finish a couple of lines. There's a lusty liquor which Goodfellow used to take a, it is distilled with nard most rich and water of the lake Of hop a little quantity and barm to it they bring to, being barreled up they'll call to cup of dainty good old stingo. <laughs> Twill make a man indentures make. Twill make a fool seem wise. Twill make a Puritan socialite and leave to be precise. Twill make him dance <laughs> about a cross and eke to run the ring to, and anything he once thought gross, such virtue hath old Stingo. <laughs> Sorry. So this was, this was uh, by the way, when I looked more, this is considered a strong beer, which you might expect from the things. I read two verses. There are nine verses to this thing. So somebody wrote that while they were drinking the beer, right. like at a bar. It sounds like a limerick. <laughs> like there's going to go south real quick. It's... <laughs> Now to conclude, here is a health unto the lad that spendeth. Let every man drink off his can, and so my ditty endeth. See, it is a limerick. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I won't read the last few lines. It's a song worth looking up, and you can actually find, you know, I couldn't find anybody singing the actual words, but I did find on YouTube them playing the tune. So as I was listening to them playing the tune, I could put the words into the tune. Uh-huh. And yeah, good old medieval drinking song. I mean, <laughs> who, wouldn't, who wouldn't want that? I think that's why you chose it, really. Yeah, yeah. But it was but it was a lot of fun. Now, Spike Nard, you know, I want to, I'm going to order some. And I know a listener requested that we source this out for them if we can. And, and I've always kept my eye out for that since that request. And this one is from prairienursery.com. You can order the uh, Aurelia Racemosa. And of course, like I said earlier, plant it in your woodland area. But what's unusual to me is not many things that bury so heavily 
as these do are grown in the shade. And so this one has, it looks like a strong berry presence per plant. And the berries are really lovely. Yeah, and they're a benefit for birds. And uh, it says wild turkeys too. I don't okay. know if you have wild turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Where I lived up in Pennsylvania, we actually had a number. Yeah. We had one live at our house once. And their roots are used for the essential oils, teas, and salves that I was right. talking about earlier. But the height only gets like three feet tall. Really? That's, that's relatively... That's I, not an aggressive no, plant at all. that's not. Mm -mm. Worth trying. And of course, you're talking about our native yes. spikenard again, not, yes. the, not the European. Yes, that's right. We do not find the European spikenard. It is, it is a lovely plant. Honestly, though, it's not one that I'd necessarily put into my yard, but the native spikenard, I think, I agree with you. I think that it's worth uh, trying out in the yard as a source for food for wild animals. And just because it really is, it's a pretty, pretty plant. It's got a heart-shaped leaf that's that will stand out yes. in the garden. Yes. And it's, uh, it's really dainty. Yeah. Uh, for those of you in the Northeast, this will actually do really, really well in the Northeast. I, I read a number of articles by people in the New Jersey, Pennsylvania area who had it and who... Really, really enjoyed it. Well, the cool weather. Yeah, the cool I'm weather. I'm a little jealous of sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not there anymore. So just so you all know, this is actually going to be our last podcast of the season. We will have a season three, and season three should start around about September of 2019. We hope you all come back to join us then. We certainly had a great time talking with you all, and we have truly enjoyed all of the uh, all the letters that we've received. Absolutely. Keep them coming. Do keep them coming. We, we have a list going of what we want to talk about, but love to we hear do. from um, all of you. We had somebody recommend Huckleberry. I don't know if you saw that when I sent it to you. I think that Huckleberry definitely is one. Last week, I tried one just so, so that I could put it on our list at Gooseberry. Have you tried gooseberries? No. I love gooseberries. Yes. We will definitely talk about huckleberries. We'll definitely talk about gooseberries. If you have one that you want us to talk about, you can just email me at uh, jgillman at uncc.edu. That's jgillman at uncc.edu. We would love to hear from you, love to uh, do one of the topics that you choose for us. And hey, if you have any information for us, we'd love to include your information too. It's a real joy to learn more from people who actually use some of these plants that, that we deal with on a more regular basis than we do. I mean, you know, that's the way I found with the whole rutabaga episode. It was great to have people tell us more about rutabagas. Yes. So with that, have send, a great summer. Have a great summer. Any last thoughts before I before I sign us off? I can't wait to to see your list for this fall. I'm gonna I'm gonna write one up for you special. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I'm looking forward to getting a bunch from the listeners. This has been the Plants We Eat production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens. Hey, come out and visit if you have the chance. We'd love to see you at the Botanical Gardens. It's also a production of the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at UNC Charlotte. And, of course, the Isle Group, who does all of our audio stuff and does an amazing job with it. We really appreciate them. We look forward to talking to you next season. Have a wonderful summer.